0: Welcome to The Kickpod, your weekly D&M on the stuff that matters.
1: Hello.
2: Hello. (laughs) We are coming to you from Bali. Yes, we are. Sitting on the floor in our little (laughs) villa room, which is kind of like a treehouse.
0: How have you found the week? It's been amazing. And I, it's very hard um, to take this seriously right now because the mics are literally balancing on my suitcase. <laughs> and because we can't get them to go up any higher, we're like leaning over. Like if anyone looked at us, it kind of looks like we're telling a secret from the outside.
2: <laughs> it does. We're fully crouched over. It's <laughs> really
0: funny. And this, my room, it smells like sweat because of how much you sweat in Bali oh and my all gosh. my dirty active wearers is just sitting around the room. Yeah, so I us, mean, you guys
2: can't smell. <laughs> no, none of us have done our laundry and I think there's been a few um, re-wears <laughs> of a few sweaty items, but that's okay. We're all in it together. Exactly. So we're currently in Bali with Journey Retreats. We've got a kick retreat and we're at the tail end of it. It's currently Thursday. So yeah. tomorrow is our last day, but this is our last official full day and it has been the best, like meeting our community at, at any event is usually super rewarding, but this is, has been like a whole nother level of getting to know them and, and, and then breaking down into, um, into their emotions and stories. And they've all got so many different stories, but then again, so many of them can relate to each other. And I feel like they've all had this really special week where they're a little unsure of how it was going to go down. Mm. And, and now they're really happy that they've come because so many of them even came on their own.
0: Yeah, which is just amazing. And I think as well to watch the girls in the sessions even. Like everyone is pushing. Mm. They're just pushing outside their comfort zones. And it's just at the start, every workout, the first few days, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be too hard. You know, I can't do it. And then to watch every single girl, no matter what their fitness level was, getting through every workout. It's like because we're all doing it together, I can't explain the feeling. But it's like you almost feel stronger because if you're going to give up on a rep you're kind of there's like you feel the support of everyone, yeah. and it helps you push through the last the last few little bits of each session. So it's just been it has been the most. I seriously, it's been so emotional, it's been, so been crying emotional. a lot, but it's
2: just been. I, it's yeah, it's been, it's all I'm been so happy grateful cries, happy for cries. this for this week. Yeah, can you imagine? It's it's like, been yeah, so we're sad. just really sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, we hope that, um, if any of you girls who came on the treat are listening, we hope that you guys. Um, could take a lot from the week and, um, you know, that next time you're struggling in your lounge room following a kick workout, just imagine how well you pushed yourself this week. Or a lot of the girls said they weren't runners or can't run and we all ran that driveway hill mm-hmm. together, which was an awesome achievement for all of you. So you should be really proud of all of your efforts for um, for this week. And we will also say that there is going to be another one. We just can't say when yet.
1: Because, this year. Because, yeah, it's going to yeah. be
2: um, – We're going to have one this year and definitely one next year. I think we just wanted to see how this one went. And literally, like, within day one, I think we all looked at each other as a team and we're like, we've got to do this again. Like, it's been amazing. Um, So, yeah, all of you who have messaged either us or Journey um, about there potentially being another one, the answer is yes, we will get dates out to you ASAP. And we're so excited for the next one and we're so happy to hear that a lot of you guys are excited too.
0: It's just so special. I think the most special thing for me has been watching girls I think we have we all have so many insecurities Mm. and letting that take over like your total value of yourself and hearing girls say that you know they can't say anything nice about themselves but then which literally broke our heart to then throughout the week them learning of like how proud of themselves they should be and how awesome they all are it's just been the most special thing ever. So yeah, we. I seriously wish we could do this every single week. <laughs> it's the most special thing. And as we go back into Melbourne, our June challenge starts, yeah. which is exciting. That so have started, what day? I think it's the first is Saturday, so it will be day five. Yeah. But if you haven't started it yet, don't worry. Doesn't matter. You can still you can still join us. Mm. You just do it for the rest of June. Start today. The point of the challenge is just to move every single day yeah. in June. It's a about getting motivated together and our free trial is live as well
2: yes exactly so it's really the perfect month to join um the challenge is not like anything else it's not a competition between each other it's just literally sharing the love and the support so that the whole community can keep you accountable um and also you're keeping them accountable the more you share um so basically if you sign up um on the website you will get one week free so if you've been thinking about joining kick as we said it is the best time to do it now because as well as signing up and, and giving it a go for a week for free. Obviously, if you if it's not for you, you can cancel in that week. Um, and then if it is for you, you can join us for the challenge and, yeah, join our community definitely. I think that's the best part about our program is our Facebook community. And other than obviously having a look at the program and being a part of the community, you're also going to be in the draw to win a pretty epic prize it's our biggest yet as laura said so it's got so okay. many epic brands we've done a post on keep it cleaner about it and we'll keep sharing that sort of stuff so you guys can be aware but it's something i think everyone will want at yeah, least something from it's, like, it's so wear
0: shoes boots for winter makeup every literally everything and uh it's over worth over three and a half thousand dollars
2: yep um so yeah Join us for June. And now, Laura, can you tell us a little bit about the podcast chat we have today? Because I know it's going to be a special one.
0: Yeah, this is a special one. So last week when I was in New Zealand, I am really lucky to be an ambassador for AAA Vitality and they launched into New Zealand. And one of their ambassadors there is Jess Quinn. So Jess and I sat down. Jess is just a game changer. She's so young and she's done so much already. She's just incredible in overcoming adversity. Mm -hmm. I think you guys will take so much from this. She's actually currently running a petition in New Zealand that requires brands to disclose when they use Photoshop, which is just awesome. Mm. I really admire her because I think it's something that I just thought was just, oh, that's just the way it is. But she's she kind of took a stand on that and was like, no, I'm going to change this. Um, she has incredible advice about body neutrality and Believing in Yourself. And she is a huge inspiration to me. So I hope you enjoy this. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So poor Jess has just had to watch me try to set up our podcast equipment. By myself, Steph usually is very good at this and I'm not as good as Steph. So, um, yeah, sorry. You did well. Sorry you did about really that. well.
1: No, it was great. <laughs> I've learned
0: a lot. I, I, I took about maybe five minutes to work out how to stand the
1: microphone up. <laughs> but from there it was all it was all smooth sailing. Put the headphones in the wrong hole. <laughs> okay, I yeah, to, we, I, she had to contact Steph to find out where to put in the headphones.
0: <laughs> anyway, so, so we also have to do a little bit of a pre-warning. Jess and I have been speaking all day. So, we if our words don't come together properly, we deeply apologize, but we're going to try our best, okay? <laughs> we'll
1: get there in the end. Exactly.
0: So, to start off with, can you
1: tell me 3 fun facts about you? Oh, fun facts about me. I I came third on Dancing with the Stars. That's fun. That's lots of fun. I, hey, that's lots of fun. It was lots of fun. I love it. I have three sisters. That's probably no. I don't. I'm one of three. I have, see. We're, we're already off to a bad start. I'm one of three, and I love my sisters. And and you're in the middle. I'm in the middle. Yes, I'm a middle child, but I love being in the middle. So that's kind of a fun fact. Most people like the middle sucks, but the middle's great. And what else is fun about me? I'm a massive foodie. Probably not that fun, but I'm such a sucker for food. Fun. You know, is I that food. Fun? It's fun. think food is Super fun. You What's know, your there's favorite? There's nothing more disheartening than when someone asks you. It's like when someone asks you your hobbies and you realize you have no hobbies. It's like someone asks you what like your fun facts are and you're like, oh, I'm not that fun. You're a lot of. This is way
0: funnier than when I say fun facts. I'm like, um, I used to play basketball. <laughs> okay, cool.
1: <laughs> anyway, just keep listening because I yeah. promise I'm fun. <laughs>
0: all right so what about the most pivotal moment in your career or life thus far
1: life and career are probably two different ones um i can start with life Mm -hmm. most pivotal moment in my life is 2001 i lost my leg to cancer so that definitely put my life on a completely different path um not to drop the podcast down to a very (laughs) serious (laughs) level but that would definitely be the most pivotal moment in my life um The most pivotal moment in my career was probably I did a photo shoot. I was trying to um, show myself in a really raw light to show people that um, it's okay to be different and that we're all different. And it went completely viral and kind of landed me to where I am now. So those were two really pivotal moments in my life and my career.
0: And what about one goal that you have?
1: Just to be happy. I know that's really basic, but I think it's the most simple goal that I think would make life the best it could possibly be. You know, I just want to be happy in everything that I do. And so I always try checking with myself and I'm like, if something's not making me happy, then I need to I need to move on. So um, yeah, my goal in life is to be happy.
0: I love that. <laughs> I, that's, I think that's a bit of my goal as well. Yeah. I think that's such an important one. And just on happiness, what are your thoughts before we get into it on happiness and how social media kind of betrays happiness as a destination instead of a journey how do you feel about that yeah
1: I mean those are exactly my thoughts on it I think people think happiness is this thing that you have to reach and then tick off and you're done you know it's like reaching the platinum level of something and whoop i made it that's that's that but it's not happiness is a journey and you're not going to be happy 100% of the time I'm not happy 100, 100% of my time but I'm the my whole of my life my life as a whole is filled with happiness you know and and it's definitely a journey there's going to be ups and downs and you're going to have a bad day and something i talk about a lot is you know it's okay to have a bad day and it's okay to break down it's okay to cry it's okay to be unhappy but just don't unpack and live there and that's something that i live my life by because it's it's wrong and wrong and too much pressure to say that we have to be happy all the time because you know there's road rage out there, and then yeah, there's really bad things in the is, world.
0: Road rage takes my anger to a new level,
1: right? And that's okay, but you don't like dwell on it for the next like three weeks about the one person that cut you off in, in the lane, you know? So exactly, I think that's quite a good metaphor to life, and just stay in your own lane.
0: And what about your childhood? So we're going to mm-hmm. go into what happened to you when you were nine years old. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to ask, is that the first memory of your childhood? Or if it is, let's talk about it. But if not, what what is it?
1: It's funny, I think, most people are like this. It's hard to know what's a memory from your childhood and what's things that you're referencing from a photo. I don't know if you get that, but I, I often, you know, the first memories that come to my head, uh, I was a really athletic kid. I was um, I was competing in track and I did cross country. I mean, I was only eight and nine, but um, <laughs> I was really good at, at running. And all of my memories when I think of me as a kid is around sports and I, I played every sport I possibly could. I just love being active. And I was really lucky. I was born in a time before social media, so... Mm. I was out with my friends and I was a real tomboy. I remember I actually I have you know those weird memories that just stay in your head? Like I have one memory, my friend, she had a farm and so we would always be out adventuring. Like I just loved that her parents didn't even know where we were half the time. We we're like somewhere lost in the farm making like weird patty cakes out of mud that we found on the ground and playing with insects. Like I was just so into all of that. And yeah, I think I I was really lucky. I lived a completely normal childhood around around that time and most of my memories are around my friends, my family and my two sisters who are completely my best friends. Um, And yeah, I just, I really treasure the fact that I grew up in a, in not a digital world and we just went out and played and having, you know, New Zealand, I mean, Australia is beautiful as well as New Zealand, but, you know, having a place like we live in with a backyard, like we do just getting out there and being kids, it's,
0: and feeling safe to walk to school every day I feel like now it's it's changed actually quite a Mm. bit which is really sad and Mm. I think that's why kids maybe aren't as active but Mm. it was cool that we could just go and walk anywhere that we wanted and when the
1: like the street lights go on that's when you go inside for dinner you know it's like (laughs) it's such a cool place to grow up so those are most of my memories like they're not not specific but um just that that kind of feeling I love that innocence and that naivety that we have as kids Mm -hmm. and I think I think the world would be a better place if we could hold on to that you know we like develop fear as we get older but it's that fearlessness that we have as kids that's Mm -hmm. so cool.
0: And now take us to nine-year-old Jess Mm -hmm. and what happened?
1: Yeah so there was a big transition from my normal um, eight-year-old self to my nine-year-old self it was 2001 and I it was about February um, and I was outside playing with my sister typical that my, what I call my old life and new life, they transitioned into each other with Mm -hmm. me being active Um, and I was outside playing with a soccer ball and I decided to balance on the soccer ball just trying to show off a little bit and I successfully managed to do so and then I came crashing to the ground and turned out that I'd broken my femur bone which is the strongest bone in the body Um, That's
0: a The way your quad is? Yeah, where your quad
1: is. And so kind of weird that I broke my femur bone just standing on a soccer ball, but that's what happened. And um, I got rushed to the hospital. I got put into immediate surgery to fix this break and they put rods up my leg. And I remember all I wanted to do was to get back into birthday parties with my friends and back Mm. into sports. And I was stuck in this bloody plaster that I had to wear and it was horrible. And, you know, the worst thing at that time was the fact that I'd broken the strongest bone in my body and you know, little did my family and I know that that was kind of nothing compared to what was coming my way. So I spent about probably four months in rehab um, and obviously being in plaster and then and then being in rehab and trying to learn how to walk again um, or, or to get my movement back um, from the break. And things just weren't healing. I was in cr- a crazy amount of pain um, and it just made no sense to the doctors. So mm. They ended up doing a series of tests um, four months later and found an osteosarcoma in my femur bone. Um, And osteosarcoma is a bone cancer. So, yeah, my femur bone was pretty riddled with cancer. Which, um, at the age of nine or or any age, but at the age of nine, was pretty shocking to my family. Yeah, expect definitely. My parents found themselves in a room that, yeah, as you say, they definitely didn't expect to be in um, hearing that I had cancer. So. Things happened really quickly from there. I think it was about June or July by that point of 2001, and I was um, pretty much admitted into hospital straight away for chemotherapy. And over the next, I think it was six to nine months, I underwent about 16 rounds of chemotherapy. Um, I had the strongest chemo that you can have just to try rid my body of um anything that was Has it had it spread anywhere else or was it just in the one bone in your leg yeah it was just in the one bone which was really lucky mm-hmm. but because I had broken that bone obviously opening the bone up um it's it, there was obviously the risk that it could have moved um so they just had to be be um thorough with it I guess mm-hmm. and also because it had been four months since um the break it was kind of we needed to get onto things pretty quickly and, and it was quite aggressive and quite far along. Um, bone cancer, I mean, no cancer's ideal, mm-hmm. but bone cancer's not not great. Um, and yeah, so that was a horrible year. I have, I mean, I post pictures on my Instagram every now and again, but I even just look at them and it's hard to imagine that that was actually me, you know, how, how sick I got. It's and you were scary. 18 kilos. Yeah, yeah. So the day of my surgery, which I'll get into in a minute, I was 18 kilos, um, which is scary i've seen photos and it it's mind-blowing i had no hair i lost every single hair on my body that's just a result of chemotherapy it fights all your cells basically trying to fight the bad ones it gets rid of the good ones too so you lose your hair and i had ulcers lining my whole mouth i couldn't talk um yeah it's quite scary i had a feeding tube because i just got on so skinny i couldn't keep on you can't you no know, appetite you mm. can't keep food down so yeah it was, it was a really horrific time um, and I saw a lot you know being in a, in a ward of young children with cancer obviously there were people losing their battles every day and that kind of became a normality which is really scary obviously to be around that environment trying mm-hmm. to fight for your own life um, but it did kind of just become life for a little bit and then um, October of that year they ended up making the decision to amputate my leg because that was the only way to really save my life was to really get rid of the cancer so I underwent a 14-hour surgery. I was the first in New Zealand to have this really rare surgery, which I won't go into because it, it will probably take up the length of our podcast. But, um, yeah, so they ended up they ended up amputating my leg, which was obviously quite a horrific mm-hmm. thing to go through. And, yeah, the surgery I had was really confronting in itself. Um, and then after that, there was um, a serious amount of time where I just had to heal the surgery and heal what I'd gone through and then I was actually put under another round of chemotherapy which that was the lowest point in my battle it was about Christmas time of that that same year and because I'd had the surgery my body was just so so weak from what it had already been through and had to have this chemo and I there's actually it's quite a sad story but I I was at, ho- at home planning on being at home for Christmas and then I was I had a really high temperature so my parents rushed me into the hospital And when we arrived at the hospital, there was a young boy who arrived at the hospital at the same time. And I'd seen him on the ward before we were friendly. Um, And he arrived. We had the same cancer, similar journeys. And he arrived with a high high temperature with his family. And we both got admitted into hospital and were there over Christmas. And the next day I woke up um, ready for Christmas Day, really. And he unfortunately lost his battle. So... It was a moment like my dad recently just told me that story and it's those moments where you kind of realise like, wow, I'm you know, i really lucky to be here and right now. And you were t- and 10 at that was, age or are you still 9? Uh, um, actually, that was a month. So my surgery was a month before my 10th birthday, yeah. So and how
0: old was, do you know how old he was? Or the he same was a age? similar
1: age, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so it's really obviously heartbreaking hearing stories mm. like that and it's just it's scary to know that you went through something like that and that could have easily have been your fate. So, yeah, it's... Um, why I try to make the most of, of life that I was lucky to, to get a second chance at. Um, but yeah then I kind of, I don't know how, but I slowly started regaining my strength and chemo was behind me and um, yeah, I just got back into life really. I, I, made, I made that sound probably easier than it was. It was quite a transition but all I wanted to do and it's something like I'm just so I just love the resilience that children have and I'm so grateful that it happened to me when I was a kid because mm. I did just want to get back into playing sports I wanted to go just play with my friends and go to their birthday parties and do all the things that were no longer a normality for me so that was really cool to just get back to life but there was so many challenges I think you know I got my new prosthetic I don't remember when I think it was a few months after I was um dismissed from hospital And I remember thinking, cool, like I've got a replacement leg, like let's just get back to this life that I knew and I put it on and realised I had a whole battle ahead of me, probably harder than cancer in in terms of learning how to walk and doing everything that I once knew how to do, but doing it all over again. So yeah,
0: it's been been a journey. (laughs) (laughs) And what about, I really am interested to hear as a nine-year-old, can you remember the moment when you found out that you had cancer and and was were you there with your parents or were they there and then they told you
1: i don't actually fully remember that i i remember i'm pretty sure my parents my parents obviously got told first i'm pretty sure Mm. um and then i can't i think i think then they relate it to me so i actually don't remember that conversation um but i do remember being told that i was going to lose my leg and i remember my parents i was sitting down on the couch and they the, the surgery I had is really unusual. So they were kind of taking me through what that would look like. And it's funny, it's a question that I get asked often, um, but it's it's weird kind of remembering it, but kind of not mm-hmm. at the same time. And yeah, it's it's something that it's obviously, I've got so much appreciation for as I've gotten older, especially what my parents went through. You know, it's one thing to go through it yourself, but to see your own mm-hmm. child go through that, it must be unreal so um did you know what cancer was
0: the cancer was or what cancer was at all had you ever heard of it as a nine-year-old
1: yeah it's something that again i thought of recently my granddad actually died from cancer when I was probably seven Mm -hmm. and I've always obviously known that I remember my granddad and I remember going to his funeral I remember him passing away and that was before I was sick um and actually I would have been sitting at his funeral with cancer in my leg and not, not really knowing about it which is quite scary mm. um, but I've only just realised how soon that was from when I got diagnosed you know, I only got diagnosed two years after that if not less um, so I, for my mum to have gone through that losing her dad and then having her daughter have cancer is mind blowing but also yeah it's, it's scary to think that I, I kind of I clearly did know what it was mm-hmm. um, yeah and yeah
0: did you have any other symptoms? Because obviously your fall, if you didn't mm. have that, yeah. would you have found out, did doctors talk to you about what would your prognosis would have been mm. if you didn't find out when you did?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a, um, a, a plus and a minus because, as you say, had I not broken my leg, I, for all I know, I could still be sitting here right now with cancer mm. in my leg and I wouldn't know about it or probably by that point through my whole body. Um, so it was... It was a good thing in that sense because we found it, but also the fact that it it broke the strongest bone in my body, it meant that it had been probably in there for quite a while. Um, And also me breaking my leg led to me having the surgery that I did have to have. Um, Had I not broken my leg, there might have been some more options that might not have involved an amputation, but I don't even look at that. I I see it as I might not actually be here right now had I not broken my leg. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really grateful for that mm-hmm. because, as you say, that the prognosis could have been a lot worse. Definitely. And
0: do you believe in fate? I actually don't think I do. I'm not sure. I haven't decided, but <laughs> I, I feel like after going through something like that, mm-hmm. and the fact that you broke your leg and you found out mm-hmm. and you might not have, does that mm-hmm. make you really believe in it?
1: Yeah. So I, I the religion I pretty much live by is everything happens for a reason, yeah. and I, I grew up, I which I'll probably touch on a bit later, but I. I really struggled with around my adolescence mm. um, with body image and a whole lot of things but I, I, this is not a joke I cried myself to sleep for two years asking why me and I, I just couldn't understand and you know I, I, I'm i quite a quote girl I read quotes that say you know everything happens for a reason there's a light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and I literally would have would swear and be like what is the possible reason that this would have happened like this is ridiculous no one within their right mind would give me this kind of fate and think it's gonna you know it's for a better purpose or whatever you know that was the mindset that I was in and now as I've gotten to the point where I am in my life and I'm, I have been in this for the last probably 10 years I I'm genuinely like I wouldn't change what I went through yeah. and I genuinely believe that everything happens for a reason because I'm the person I am today because of what I went through and all the little things like me breaking my leg and all of those little steps all led me to where I am now um and sure it's it's unfair and having two legs would probably make my life a little bit easier but it didn't doesn't mean it wouldn't make it as great as it is so I'm actually really grateful and and if someone kind of handed me a, a pass card and said you can go back and change everything I, I genuinely wouldn't because it's just it's taught me so much and I yeah I feel really lucky to have learned what I've learned.
0: And are you fearless or do you live in fear?
1: I, I think I'm fearless I I feel like I've developed a lot more fear in the last probably five years it's probably more anxiety around different yeah, things than course. it is fear and I think we just get that with age to be honest but I am fearless as a whole. My my fear is probably in really little things that don't actually matter. But Mm -hmm. in terms of life in general, I am quite fearless. And I think a lot of people that go through big adversity, like I've gone through and have gone through cancer, talk about that quite a lot. That, you know, when you face something like that before I even really knew what life was, you're kind of of like, wow, you know, nothing else is going to nothing else compares to that you know so it does give you the sense of fearlessness and survival which is quite cool.
0: I thought it might have because I mean for me personally I used to work in a hospital and I got really anxious that I had cancer all the Mm. time because I would admit patients who had it Mm. so I spent Mm. the whole day admitting people that had cancer so it Mm. made me think that I that I had it Mm. and I, I wondered that because you had it do you think it's going to, do you think you have more risk of it coming back? Obviously, yeah. you don't, but does, is that something that plays on your mind? Or yeah. are you literally like, I beat this, <laughs> I could beat anything, I could do anything in my life?
1: It's a bit of both. Like, yep. I, um, obviously, when I get pain, and I've had a few kind of big, um, I guess, health things in the past probably five years, and there's been a couple of times where I'm like, oh, there's my cancer back, but I'm, it's, it's just a thought I'm not actually I wouldn't actually be Obviously I'd be scared But mm. not as scared as probably You would be Because you haven't gone through cancer You know whereas I'm more like I've bet this once I'm going to beat it again If yeah. it ever had to happen to me In my life And I would rather Go through it myself Than someone else um, But yeah So I don't I don't really live in fear Of cancer um, And I just Try to be the healthiest I can be And and I mean Living in fear Is just taking away From from your life right So if I lived in fear Every day that I was Going to get cancer Then that's just not making the most out of my life. So I try not to be, and, and I'm, I'm I'm really lucky that I'm I'm not really um, because I think I have a <laughs> slight invincibility kind yeah. of attitude, which is probably not safe. I've, like, jumped out of a plane and done a few things like that, which I probably shouldn't do because I'm like, oh, I bet cancer I can do anything, but, you know. Steph's trying
0: to make me jump out is of she? a plane. I, I think I need to deal with my anxiety a little bit before yeah. I do that because I'm like, if I do this, yeah. I'm... I just, I can't imagine living through, <laughs> which obviously the chances of it is, uh, you know, Here's everyone well. lives. yeah um, But I, that's one thing that Steph's trying to make me do yeah. when we come to New Zealand at the end of the year because it's the best place to do it. it is, I've never done it here, but maybe oh. I'll
1: come do it with you guys. Okay, maybe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so going back to shorts, you've mm-hmm. spoken a lot mm-hmm. about how there was a time in your life and I, I wondered that where well, you didn't wear shorts mm-hmm. because you didn't want to show that you only had one leg. Mm-hmm. I wondered, was that as soon as you had your surgery and you had the prosthetic leg or did that come a little bit later?
1: I think for the first, I don't know the exact time frame, but I think for the first few years I was kind of fine. I was, I was nine. I didn't really care. And my community of people were with me during that whole process. So, you know, they all knew about my leg and they were there for me, um, so I don't remember hiding away as much. You know, I, I used to go, I remember we'd have school swimming trips and I'd be in my togs like everybody else. So I think it did come slightly later. Um, I'm not sure when, but yeah, maybe a few years later. And then, yeah, from that point, it took me about eight years until I wore anything shorter than my knee. So I think I was in my second to last year of high school, which if you kind of reflect on your high school journey, you know, that's, that's quite old, you know, to not be wearing mini skirts and shorts and all that kind of stuff. So I always... While everyone's shortening their school skirts, I'm trying to take my hem down and lengthen mine. Um, and it was it was something it's funny because I've always been really confident and no one for being really, you know, around my family and friends for being really confident about my story. If anyone asks me, I will tell you everything I went through and I'm absolutely fine with that. I'll lift up my skirt, I will show you everything. But I think it was just me being able to have that control that I could almost just forget about it and just hide away and put it put it beside me and I remember my mum would be, she would be picking me up from school and we'd be going around to see my cousins or doing something like that or going to physio and I'd I'd tell her that I was cold because I had, so she could pack some track pants for me to wear, but I I wasn't cold, I just Mm. wanted to put on something that wasn't my school skirt where someone might be able to see my leg and it's quite weird to think of now because I, I wear shorts all the time, but it was just clearly something I had to go through and it was during that time when I was really beating myself up and asking mm. why me and I think it was just easier to hide away and and people people stare people still stare um, and do they? yeah really? they do but but now it's not like I've learned it's not malicious, and 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 you probably noticed yourself that you probably would stare at some. I stare if I see someone with one leg, I, and it's not just people with one leg. You stare, but I'm not mm. staring because I'm like, Whoa. I'm staring because I'm like, oh my god, that's really interesting. Well, that's so cool how that works, you know. Mm-hmm. But as a nine year old, ten year old, eleven year old kid, I'm like, oh my god, they're staring at me, you know. Um, you know I remember in my after high school um, I was with my my boyfriend at the time and we were in the mall and this one lady literally this is a true story stopped all of her children grabbed them and we're like look at that girl's leg and we're pointing and it took everything in him to not beat her up um, and at that point I was lucky I was in a place where I was really comfortable in my skin like objectifying you're literally yeah. like going, oh my god it's a cute dog Yeah, yeah like being like look that girl has one leg oh. and it's like I'm not a robot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think obviously growing up, I just, all I wanted was I wanted normality. I hadn't had, nor- I'd, you know, my normality being taken away from me mm. completely through having cancer and then obviously losing my leg. And I just wanted to walk down the street like all of my friends and, not have someone stare at me. You know, I, I was at a school. I was at a swimming pool once on a school trip and these two old ladies, I was walking at them. I was on my way to get lunch, walking towards them and they're walking towards me and they literally stopped me. This is not a joke. Said nothing, picked up my school skirt, lifted it up in front of all my friends because they wanted to look at my leg and they're like, oh dear, what have we got going on here? And I was like, this is really happening right now. I think I was like 10 or something. Oh my goodness. So people are funny. <sighs> I was um, going to say, I
0: thought that would have been... From girls at your school or guys no. at your school, but that was old, yeah, older. It's ladies. always
1: been older people, to be honest. Like I have been really lucky. People often ask if I get, get got bullied at school and all of that kind of stuff, and I never did in my yeah. life, which is just incredible and I'm really lucky for that I think some of that is because of my attitude I'm really confident about it so it kind of makes people feel comfortable and we all kind of have a little laugh and there's a few leg jokes thrown around here mm-hmm. and there which is always fun um but yeah I've been really lucky in that sense but yeah people are people are weird but um yeah my my short journey getting back to that I eventually I was hanging out with some friends and my last I think it was my last year of high school. It was a really hot summer's day, and I'd been friends with them for years, and they were like, Jess, just throw on some shorts. Like it's really hot. I'll lend you a pair. And they didn't even think it was a big deal, but in my mind, I'm sitting there sweating, mm-hmm. being like, oh, my goodness, I'm about to put on a pair of shorts. And I did, and I went downstairs, and it was just completely normal. They didn't even think anything of it, and we were all just hanging out. And it was, for me, I just sat there, and it was the most liberating feeling in the world, and I pretty much never went back to hiding away from my leg, which was really, really cool because I battled a lot. You know, I... There was a time where, so the the nature of the surgery I had left my leg looking really skinny um, and it's about half the size of my other leg without a prosthetic on it that I now have um, in the thigh area and so I would wake up every single day and I wrapped socks and t-shirts around my leg, literally just wrapping anything I could find around to build out the size of a leg basically and then I would secure it with a sports bandage and then masking tape it to the bottom half of my prosthetic and I would do that every single day um and undo it at the end of every day just so that I could wear pants and make it look like I had two legs that would fill up both sides of my pants. So it's, you know, I had friends at the time wishing for a thigh gap and here I was basically <laughs> wishing for a thigh or trying to create one. So it gave me a lot of perspective in my life around that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, the shorts journey was interesting and um, not to keep rambling on, but something that I just thought was really amazing was I, um, I got a modelling agency in LA and I went up there um, I think it was last year I went up there and I'd been talking to my manager over Skype and we'd yarned about heaps of different stories and I told her this story of me not wearing shorts. And then I got to LA and she was like, This is amazing. I need to talk to you about something and I was like, Cool and She'd got together, she, I think she just started telling people about, about my journey with the, the shorts. And she'd gotten a group of people who all work at the agency, um, some models and they represent some really diverse range of models in LA. And there was a whole group of them that had had the exact same experience, but none of them had lost their leg. They had different reasons why they didn't want to wear shorts. And some of them were now in their late twenties, still not wearing shorts. So we did a photo shoot and it was summer saying, hashtag wear the shorts. And it was this idea that, If you feel like your legs, you don't like the size of them or the colour of them or you have a scar or you don't have a leg like me, you know, don't hide away from your legs because life's too short to not wear the shorts. And that was really, that was an amazing moment in my life to just be like, wow, something I thought I was almost alone in. I realised that a lot of people around me grew up feeling a similar way for different reasons, which was really cool.
0: And what age did you start modelling?
1: Um and why I I actually started doing very like not much but a little bit when I was quite young I always got asked to do just minor like hair modeling jobs and mm-hmm. things like that um and I just do it because people would ask and mm-hmm. it was kind of fun and then I never planned on being a model at all I did a photo shoot actually that's not hundred percent true I did a I did do a photo shoot um with a photographer friend of mine because I had this new running blade and it was really cool looking. And he just thought it'd be fun if we did a shoot. And I kind of had a dream in the back of my head that I could maybe send them to a talent agency or someone mm-hmm. because I wanted to change the way women were represented in the media. And I had this dream of a young girl walking to school, looking up on a billboard and seeing someone like myself just in a normal campaign with one leg and being, you know, her feeling slightly better about her insecurities or whatever she was dealing with that day um, instead of seeing a Photoshop model or something up on a billboard. And so I did this photo shoot and planning on submitting these images and that's how I grew my Instagram following. It ended up going viral pretty much overnight and that got me to where I am now basically. But through that, I um, ended up getting signed to a modeling agency in LA because they found me on Instagram. So I started doing it, but I don't do a huge amount of modeling. Most of the modeling I do is through social media campaigns or stuff that, you know, brand alignments that I have um but I've actually just I'm in talks with someone in Australia actually about doing some work over there and I've done I got I walked New Zealand Fashion Week here last year which was really exciting. The photo of you
0: at the end of the runway (laughs) is just freaking incredible.
1: Thank you it was a cool feeling um so yeah it's been I haven't as I say I haven't done a huge amount but it's been really cool to kind of put my money where my mouth is and be like you know I talk a lot about body image and Mm -hmm. changing the ways that we represent women so to actually use my own image to do that is really really cool and I hope to keep doing some more.
0: Did you ever think as can you if you think back to maybe your 15 year old self Mm -hmm. who didn't want to wear shorts and thought why me every single night Mm -hmm. did you think that that girl that Jess would ever think that you'd be doing modeling?
1: Not in a million years. And you
0: wish you could go back and tell her that it doesn't, you know, not having
1: a leg does not mean yeah that you can't do that. Like it doesn't hold you back from anything. A hundred percent. And I think not to pat myself on the back, but it just goes to show that we have complete control over what we make of our life. You know, I could have chosen to sit on the sidelines and just be like, nah, I'm not going to wear shorts the rest of my life. And I'm not going to. And you know, change the way that that woman represented and just wallow in my own self-pity you know but I was like you know this is not the way to live my life so you know when I think of people like that young boy who lost his life you know it would be a waste of waste of that if I didn't make something of mine so mm. definitely wish I could go back and tell her but at the same time you know people always ask that you probably get asked a lot like what would you give advice to your mm-hmm. younger self and as much as you want to give advice you also want you know it's a journey that we're on right you've got to go through those, those times to get to where you are
0: Was confidence something that you always chose? Because how you spoke about before that you used to wrap your leg up Mm -hmm. at home and and that makes maybe that you had an insecurity, obviously, Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. But then you consciously left the house and Mm -hmm. you didn't get bullied at school. I think bullying can often come from people not being confident because I feel like if you own something, obviously some bullies are just horrible (laughs) whatsoever but often if you own something and you're confident in yourself people Mm. don't question it Mm. so was that a conscious decision that you made Mm. 100% I think barrier
1: yeah I think it was like as you say there was times when I had a lot of insecurities Mm. but I tried wherever I could I was always really positive and I was always yeah confident in my story and what I'd been through and and I just knew that this is how it is you know I'm not getting out of this now I genuinely have one leg it's not growing back anytime soon so I knew that this was my life now and so I I have always had that and I think I get a lot of that from my parents they're really positive people so I think positivity and confidence often Mm -hmm. go together but after that whole shorts experience and trying to get my way out of that dark place like I got in a really dark place I remember thinking you know I'm in this you know, people always said there's a light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. right? And I, you couldn't see the light. I didn't even want to be in the tunnel, to mm-hmm. be honest. You know, and and that's that's a scary place to be. And I think um, that's when I made the decision that, and it it was kind of a matter of fake a smile and move on with it. I was like, I'm going to try on confidence for a while. I'm going to put on these shorts. I'm going to see if confidence sits in my skin and pretend to be confident and then it wasn't until I was doing an interview one day and they asked if I would change anything and I was like you know what I actually really like what I went through and I like my weird wacky leg and um that was a really cool moment so yeah there's been a bit of natural confidence and a bit of Sometimes you just actually have to force yourself to get out the door with a smile on your face and
0: and fake it. I know, fake, fake it, it till, till you make, make it. it. It's like the actually. biggest thing. Everyone says, "I'm not ready to do this. I'm yeah. not good enough to do this." You'll but never be ready. I don't think anyone
1: is ready, really, to, or mm-hmm.
0: good enough. Or everyone is good enough, but yeah. people don't think that they're good enough to yeah. do anything. And it, the truth is, most people are faking it. Totally, a hundred percent. And
1: you just got to get out there and do it, no and matter what And get the it confidence
0: is. shining through. It's so yeah. important. Yeah. So now to your petition, which mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. Thanks. First, can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm.
1: So the petition, it's it's led on from from this um, this stream that I have of this young girl walking to school, and I realised you know I want to change the way women are represented in the mm-hmm. media, and that's that's a huge conversation in itself. And I I wasn't sure how I was going to do that apart from using my own image and through some modelling, but I. I last year did a photo shoot and I got the images of the photo shoot back because I was trying to I was putting them in my portfolio Mm -hmm. and the company sent me and they'd been gone to print they were in the magazine I saw them I was like those are cool nice photos Um, in Australia or America uh, in New Zealand oh New Zealand okay New Zealand mag actually I think it was an Australian magazine I don't know if they sell it in Australia but anyway it was um Australian New Zealand magazine um and they sent me the images and. Don't ask me why, but one folder had the images that I'd seen in the magazine and then another folder was literally titled unedited. And I was like, what am I about to look at here? Open them and realize my images had been Photoshopped. And it wasn't crazy. Like I don't look like two completely different people. I still recognize myself in that Mm -hmm. magazine. I just thought maybe there's some great lighting and maybe a spray tan working in my favor in that photo. But when I compared them, I was like, wow, someone has literally taken it on themselves to change my body in a way that they think is right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I turned up to that set that day, feeling absolutely confident, confident in my skin, talking about being confident in my skin in the article. Yet someone had kind of, is that what the article was about? It was, yeah, it was about me like telling my story and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was quite weird to have... You know, it's, it's a weird moment that someone has looked at a photo of you and realised that there's something that needs to be changed. But you know? also
0: from the magazine's point of view, it's kind yeah. of like, mate, if you're booking me mm. for my story and mm. that I'm confident in my own skin, don't edit don't, my skin.
1: <laughs> don't change my skin. Like, it's kind of, it was just Photoshop on another leg. Like, it was just ridiculous. It was just the most mind-blowing thing. And the thing that... It takes away from the purpose. It of takes it away it. from the purpose completely. And the thing that really... Really drove me crazy was that they were such not that big changes are necessary, but they were such minor changes that it was like, Why? Just why did you think you needed to do that? And I think it's those minor changes that, you know, it's people who use FaceTrain apps, for example, they're just doing little slight cuts here and there, but it's those little changes that completely throw other people thinking that that's how they need to look. For example, I was inactive wear in the shoot and I was sitting on a stool. And I don't know anyone, even complete athletes with 0% body fat, whose skin doesn't cut in a little bit from their leggings, right? That's just how leggings work. They're a bit tight. So your skin's going to get cut. Mine were like very well flushed with my stomach, which Mm -hmm. I can tell you is not how they actually are. So someone looking at that is going to think that that's exactly how I look and that my that doesn't hang over my leggings like theirs does, you know? And it's just little things like that. And they, they didn't remove all of my moles, but they removed some of them. And it was like, you can have some moles, but not all of them. And it's just little things like that where I'm like, that's just not necessary. What else did they change? Um, Just completely smoothed out my skin. So I looked very flawless and glowing. Um, And what else did they change? It was just... You can just see like there's, there's, n- I'm just a lot tighter. <laughs> Everything's tighter. My muscles are a bit more like defined and it just really rocks me up and more than anything. And I said, I talked to the media, kind of ended up coming mm. out in the media and I didn't want everyone's like, who was it? What magazine? I was like, I'm not here to name and it's shame. Yeah. This is not about that. This is a 60, 70, probably 80 year old industry. It's, it's about me using this as an example of how we can create some change. And that's what I wanted to do. And, and that it just opened my eyes to that. It still goes on. You know, I was in the fashion industry. I studied fashion as at uni and I was in the fashion industry for a while and was exposed to all of this quite some time ago. And then to see this and I was like, oh my goodness, people are still doing this and models are still treated in this way and people are still projecting these images. It just opened my eyes. And yeah, so I ended up doing, I did a media, It is a media kind of interview around mm-hmm. it and during that interview I don't, don't know where it came from but I said I was like why do they not have a law that states that it needs to state if a model has been photoshopped or not and then I stepped away from that interview and I was like "Just Quinn that was a great idea I need to, I need to run with that idea that is,
0: I don't know many people that because even myself like I don't model very much anymore but mm-hmm. when I did often my face would be well everything would be mm-hmm. totally changed everything mm-hmm. just becomes a little bit smaller mm-hmm. a little bit tighter <laughs> yeah but while we don't edit any Keep It Cleaner photo or any mm. shoot that I do that I'm in control of never gets edited. Mm. But those images, I've never thought, I'm like, that's just the way it is. But yeah. how how you're able to be like, you know what, and that's how change happens in the world. Exactly. This is not the way it should be yeah. and I'm going to change it. And yeah. so then you went to... What did you how do you make I study law I don't even know how do you how do you make a law?
1: I didn't even law? know what to What actually happened was I um I did a I got asked to do a TED talk and so that was the topic of my TED talk and it was all just going to be an idea it was a great idea It's a really great TED talk by the way everyone should listen What's it called uh unreality something about perfection chasing an unrealistic form of perfection I think if you google my name and TED talk it should come up but It was an awesome opportunity and and it was me. I was just, I'm going to talk about this idea. It's going to be cool and hopefully someone in the world will do it. And then a couple months later I was in bed and I texted my manager and I was like, so why am I waiting for someone to do this? I'm going to try to create this change. What should I do? And he was like, I'm going to text Jacinda Ardern, who is our New Zealand Prime Minister. So I saw you on the
0: project when you spoke about (laughs) that. And it's so funny because I feel like, first of all, she's – freaking amazing Incredible. I wish she could rule have rule the world <laughs> yeah the world and be also the Prime Minister of Australia but anyway I thought it was so funny because people always make fun of New Zealand how they it's do. small and the fact that you're like yeah my manager just texted
1: the Prime Minister <laughs> like, it was pretty funny but okay honestly, when he said that to me my manager's quite funny at times and I was like okay cracked up laughing moved but on like, yeah, went to sure. sleep yeah 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 next day I wake up with a screenshot of the text message from her and I was like oh wow this is happening Um, And she gave advice of, you know, she sent a really long message, which just shows how incredible she is to take the time to do that. And she said, you know, the way to do this is to get a petition and see if you can get the public on board. And so I did that which was really exciting and it's been building and I got lots of media around it and I've had some incredible support from people like yourself supported it and I've had um, Jamila Jamil, I don't know if you know oh, of her. Did you? She's yeah. my, I, that's is amazing, she? I love her. Oh yeah, she's awesome. We've um connected recently and we, we talk about, we're on a similar mission and the same mission as you and Stepha, which is really awesome and she's so incredible in the sense that she's such a massive celebrity, but no one's too small for her. You know, she just wants people Who want to create change and she wants to help people so um, she shared my petition and it's been going around which is really awesome it's just been cool to see how many people want to get behind it and the messages from people I've had on social media just being like oh my goodness we need this change in the world and and there hasn't been too much negative which is good the kind of what you touched on before the only thing people have said is like like you said about your modelling you you know this is just how the industry is people have said that to me and and I'm like that doesn't mean that it can't change you Mm. know slavery being around for years doesn't mean it's right. You know, Imagine like we've if just, no one stood
0: up for anything. Exactly.
1: Then there'd be no change. So and I and I'm conscious of the fact it's not, the fact it's not gonna change the world, but I think it's a start And. And the reason, you know, I still have a bigger dream of really changing the way women are represented. But if we're putting up these billboards of diverse women, which people are starting to do, which is absolutely amazing, but we're still photoshopping them, then Mm. we're really just chasing our own tail. It's not putting women up how they really are in their own skin. It's just how we want them to be, you know. So. Um. yeah, it's something I'm really passionate about trying to change.
0: How do people, because at the moment you can still, it's still going, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, how yeah. much longer is it going for and how do
1: people sign it? I think it's at the moment going till July. Um, Amazing. I need 10,000 signatures. So yeah, I'm at about 7,500 now, which is exciting. It's like close, but almost there. It's really great. Um, and if you just Google Jessica Quinn petition, it comes up and it literally takes two seconds to sign. You just literally write your name and push enter. Um, and I also have a link through on my Instagram profile, which is just a direct link straight through. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would love for people to get behind it if they believe in it. It's something that I've I've talked about a lot. I share it, but I also don't want to force people to sign it because I want people who really believe in it to kind of, you know, Mm. get behind it. So, yeah.
0: And how do you feel about
1: Instagram editing? (laughs)
0: because that, <laughs> that mean you hate it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
1: It's and it's a question I get asked since I've been talking about this petition. People are like, "Oh, but what's the point of making these laws if people are just going to go and edit their photos, that you know, they've helps. got their own power to do that?" And how I look at it is um, you know, our generation, we grew up seeing these images of perfectly curated models, right? Mm-hmm. And now we are the content creators and we're living up to that expectation that we think is real. So if we can cut the chain here and show people in the media that, that this is how women should look and through our social accounts, you know, you do the most incredible posts where you're clearly just YouTube. in your own skin. <laughs> um, you know, if we can do that, then it's going to break the chain. It's not going to break it immediately. It's probably going to be a slow rust and then hopefully it will fall off. But I think I think that's how we create the change. But I think Instagram, it's I mean, it's hard. There's there's always going to be a group of people who, who want to do what they want to do and that's mm. fine. But I think the more we can show people people exactly as they are and brands are doing it and influencers are doing it and everyday people, they're just, everyone's doing it, then it's, you know. And I think the thing that people forget is it's not just how you're putting your image out to the world. Like, I personally would rather, I want someone to look at my photo and then meet me in real life and be like, oh, yeah, that's Jess. Not be like, she looks nothing like her Instagram. <laughs> like, that's, you know, I don't want that. That would of be course. weird. Um, but also do it for yourself. Like, there's nothing worse than... You know, I've I've heard of people who are now going to plastic surgeons to try look like their Snapchat filter because they prefer the, the that filtered you know that what's makes funny? you look that yellow. Blurry.
0: I strongly dislike. I look worse that, in mine. So do I. Okay. It, it reshapes my nose, and Same. it's just like it's weird. I I tried it for a while, and I was like, I'm not. I'm not about this. Yeah, I can't neither. use no filters. Work. They don't
1: enhance me. They don't enhance they, me either. I think maybe they. But then some people I see, and yeah. I'm like, okay, you definitely worked for you, yeah. but, but stop. <laughs> um yeah because I think you know there's nothing worse than you put up this photo and you've I don't know whitened your teeth and you've yeah. edited your body and you've tanned your skin up or whatever you've done and then you look in the mirror and all you're going to do is feel worse for yourself because you've just tried to hide all your mm. insecurities for everyone else but you're also hiding them for yourself you know whereas wouldn't it be so much nicer to just look in the mirror and just be like this is me and,
0: and I think I'm it awesome. Comes, I think the the hardest thing with people editing their photos, and I used to do it, mm. and I maybe three years ago mm. because I felt, or maybe four, I can't remember, it was a long time ago, mm. and that was an insecurity that I had in myself, that mm. I was petrified, that someone would see my, my tights. And I think it's because I worked in an industry where every totally. other photo was edited of me. Yeah. So I why would I put a photo out that wasn't because then maybe I wouldn't be booked or, mm, exactly. you know, and it was, wow. Like, and it was so funny. I look, I found recently some photos that I'd edited and I looked at the original photo. I was like, how did I even, but I remember, how did I think to edit this? But I remember at the time I could not look past those imperfections. Mm. So now I obviously have totally stopped, but I, I feel people that do it. I, I know why, yeah, but 100%. I just wish they didn't feel the pressure, but yeah. I now I use. How do you feel about filters? Like putting a filter over mm.
1: photos. Yeah. Do you, is that is yeah. that? I use Lightroom filters uh-huh. and stuff. Um, it changes the lighting or it makes it look blue like Contrast or, and yeah, brightness. Yeah, totally. And, and I'm the same. Like I'm not trying to say that photographers can't. You, you need to change the lighting. Sometimes you need to change the color of the clothes because the way that it comes out in the camera isn't mm-hmm. how that clo- that color of the clothing actually looks and all that kind of stuff. So, I'm I'm just about not changing the appearance. of No the manipulation. In the photo, of no the manipulation. Body. Yeah, and I think I love what you touched on just then, you know, you working in that industry, you lost the perception of who you were, mm, you mm-hmm. know, because all you were looking at was an image of how someone wants you to look and mm-hmm. not exactly how you looked. And it's so sad that, that that does that to us. And that was within yourself, you know, like if that, this is all around us every day, we don't even know, you know, there's an interesting statistic that I used in my TED talk that said, I think it was 8% of a advertisement's um, message. So the images that we see makes its way to our conscious mind and the rest is worked and reworked in our brain. So basically you can be like, oh, I wasn't affected by that completely Photoshopped model because I was looking at the Apple she was holding, for but example. You but you were completely exposed to it and you're going to subconsciously compare yourself to that throughout your life. So... It's, yeah, it's scary. And for us, we were lucky. It was on a billboard. It was in a Dolly magazine. That was about it. Now kids are waking up to it first thing on their phone mm. and last thing when they go to sleep. And it's And you scary. can't tell
0: it's edited. I think that's yeah, the that's scariest scary. thing. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, a girl in a cafe yeah. as if it's going to be edited. <laughs> but and then you is. take a photo of yourself in a cafe and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, do it look the same? Why not? Different cafe,
1: better lighting. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I think the, the funniest thing is you say that. It's, for me, when you talk about Subconsciously absorbing things Mm. I think that I had one client That I really loved working with them but they would edit me to look a certain way and I think even though I used to laugh about it and I used to laugh with the photographer Mm. and be like, so what size are you going to make my nose today? Obviously it's too big for you so like you're (laughs) going to make it pointy and small. But I then was – and my body, like they'd make my arms a little bit skinnier and then I had a complex about my arms Mm -hmm. when the normal photos were taken and I think it was – it's so funny because I think it was subconscious that Mm -hmm. even though I was like, oh my God, I don't care, like Mm. I'm fine, Mm. I don't need to be edited – Mm. Then when it came to me taking photos I'd I, and I was in the room by myself, I'd be like, oh, no, because they thought that I look better this way. So I need to look mm. that way. It was like, like, like someone else media. highlighted
1: your insecurity that you didn't even have. <laughs> exactly. You know, like-,
0: like my arms was something that I'd, ne- I'd never looked at my arms <laughs> like this. <laughs> not even I'm like, oh, who cares with the arms? Like it's not totally. a thing. But all of a sudden I was like looking at my arms in every photo. Mm
1: because someone had unnecessarily pointed it out for some ridiculous mm. reason, it, it's, it it blows my mind. And, yeah, I mean, it's the modelling industry is a whole thing in itself, right, how they create these insecurities mm-hmm. for models. It's scary.
0: So what would be your message to anyone that does edit their photos and how to, how to kind of – because obviously I really don't think it's their fault. Mm. Oh, 100%. How, how do you – what would, like inf- – Get this question out. I'll get it out. I promise. <laughs> what would you recommend to them uh, to do? To you know, to be okay with themselves with how
1: they look. I think. I think it's a matter of. I mean, there's so many angles to this, but mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of asking yourself why you're doing it and mm-hmm. who you're doing it for as well, um, because there's no way we should ever filter a photo to or edit a photo to impress someone else you know I think that's disheartening but also we shouldn't do it to, to hide our own insecurities and I think I think the work comes well before taking the photo and well before editing mm. the photo it comes into some way finding a way to love every part of your body for what it is and we've had the opportunity today to speak at some amazing panels and we've talked a lot about that kind of stuff about just being absolutely okay in the skin you're in and I loved
0: what you said, if you're able to repeat it about your body and you don't actually have to love every single oh, part yeah. of it. Yeah. Can you That's I love I loved thing.
1: that. That's my favorite thing to talk about because my leg, you know, if you go on my Instagram, you'll find some photos of my leg without my thigh on. And it is weird. It's trippy. I'm going to say just now I've got a foot that's backwards in a place that it shouldn't be just to imagine <laughs> how the surgery I had. So <laughs> I'll go into that maybe another day. But my my body is really weird. and. I'm never going to stare in the mirror and go, that is the coolest body I've ever seen. You know, like so beautiful. It's the best leg I've ever seen. You know, if that's just not, that's not realistic for me. It's not about looking at your insecurities and trying to love them. But I do feel like social media at the moment is forcing us to Mm -hmm. love your insecurities, love your cellulite, love the rolls on your stomach, love all of this kind of stuff. It's not about loving it. It's about being okay with it. It's, to me it's body neut- neutrality. It's a really hard I love word that to say. Term. But I really love it too. It's not body positivity. It's not it's not all of those kind of things. It's just body acceptance and body neutrality and that you know, our bodies are literally a house that we live in, right? And the colour of the paint's always going to change and the things that we put on the outside of, of our house always going to change, but what matters is the contents mm-hmm. of our house, right? And I know that's a really cheesy analogy, but I just think it's so much more important who we are as people, yet we're spending at least 90% of our time worrying about the exterior what of our house. Like. like, who cares what the colour of the house looks like? The minute someone comes through the front door, that's all they care about, right? So I just think... Yeah, it's not about don't obsess over loving your insecurities. Mm. You don't have to. I did a post recently, and I'm like, make sure you know these amazing posts that people do on social media, and I have done them, and I know you have done them, and they they come from a really great place. And you know, it's this idea of hashtag body love, and you know, love your insecurities, but just make sure that when you do that post, because it often does get some really great traction. Make sure when you step away, you look in the mirror, and you still love those things Mm -hmm. that you told that your followers that you love. You know, I think that's really important. yeah, so it's a matter of just being in your body. It's not it's that's not right. complicated. Th- I
0: think focusing for me has been like I have to personally there's things that I've learned to love about my body and I really do love them but then mm-hmm. there's things like maybe my tummy that I'm mm-hmm. like I'm never going to look in the mirror and be like I have the best belly in the whole world. Yeah. And that's okay and I'm okay with that and that's what I've come to terms with. Yeah. I think because when you're striving per- to look perfect or look like someone else like it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell yourself that you love, like for me, my tummy, I love my tummy because mm. I, I mean, but I don't love what it looks like, mm. but I love what it does. Mm. So I focus on, I've tried to focus on my fun- the functioning, yeah. the functionality that's, of it. It's that's like, the best thing. it gets bloated, it stretches, yeah. it can have, you know, it stretches out to have a, a baby in it.
1: Totally. And I think the worst thing as well is if we're like, even if you, I don't know, did whatever you needed to do to get to this, the whatever body, that mm. the belly that you have in mind is the best belly that you want. Well, so how
0: funny is the word look, belly?
1: Like, <laughs> I keep saying it like belly. <laughs> um, but even if you, whatever that looks tummy. like in your mind, yeah, if you get the tummy of your dreams, you're going to get there. You're going to be there for however long. You might get pregnant, you'll age, you'll do whatever you do. Your belly is going to change, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're hung up on the body that we we think we need or we think we love or this one little thing then when it changes we're completely screwed right sorry for the really bad terminology but we are like and I think that's what I'm really lucky to have learned you know had I like I literally had a piece of my body taken away from me so if I was caught up on if I was a bit older and I was caught up on this need to have a thigh gap and then I lost my leg Mm. like what was the point in him getting a thigh gap, you know? So it's we we genuinely have no control over this body that we that we that we have, I guess. Mm, and be um, grateful
0: for what it does. Be grateful for what it does. And it functions we're so lucky. Like we're I mean so lucky. you can say we're so lucky. I feel like sometimes I might look in the mirror and think, Oh my god, I wish my legs were skinnier. Mm. But then you're like, I wish I had two legs mm. and it's just
1: like be perception, grateful. Right? Which you obviously mm-hmm. are so happy with, mm. you know, Not and totally, you're okay. but it's But you know, it's 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 perception. And someone looks at me who's maybe got Two legs missing, yes. and then someone looks at them who's in a wheelchair. Like it, it goes on forever, and you're so right. It's it's perception, and it's and bodies change. So if we're hung up on this one picture of what it should look like, we're forever gonna be chasing exactly. our tail t- trying to find happiness. I and think. if
0: learning to love your body works for you, mm. amazing. But mm. I I agree. So for some parts of your body, it's it's hard, and mm. and pe- just to be okay with that. Mm. I love that message. Mm. You don't have to love it. You just have to love love what it does or accept what it does or know Mm -hmm. that it's your body and it's not. Or not hold yourself
1: back because of what your body looks like. Exactly.
0: You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to know you are 26 years old, Mm -hmm. you have done so much in your life. Do you, how do you define your success so far?
1: Do you have more that you want to do, or do you feel really happy with what you've done? I mean, I'm I'm definitely happy with with what I've done in my life. I um I'm a bit of a active relaxer, and I like to be busy all the time. So I've learned, especially the last three years, like pretty much everything I've done in in the sense of my career has been in the past three years. So it's just now hitting me where I'm like, wow, I just need to need to catch my breath for a hot minute and really realize what I want to do with my life and. Um and I don't know. I don't I don't think anyone ever has, has that that all figured out but I except on social media except kind of seems like everyone's together. Yeah. no one does no one has okay. any idea. Fake it till you make it. Um love it. But yeah, I'm I'm and I'm in both places. I'm in a place where I'm really I am really proud of where I've got to and and not because of the things that I've achieved in my career. It's more you know, people often ask me, ask me, and again, not to pat myself on the own, my own back, but... No, you, know, you can. <laughs> I want you to. You know, people are like, who's your biggest inspiration? And my biggest inspiration is the young girl who was, like, battling mm-hmm. cancer as a kid. You know, that, that little girl in me, that's my biggest inspiration because, you know, it got me exactly where I am now. And I think I'm really grateful for that. And so, for me, I am really happy where I've got to in my life because... I've done so much more than that little girl who was stuck in that tunnel could ever have imagined, you know, and all of the things that I've done in my career has kind of just been a bonus on top of that, um, which is something that I just need to keep reflecting on because it's those little life milestones, I think, that are really important. Um, But there is lots I want to do in my career and and it's not just in the, you know, I find also with social media and once you get a bit of a, a presence, the you get put in these, you know, body images kind of become my channel, but mm-hmm. it's not the only thing I'm passionate about. So as much as I want to keep going down that path and keep really making change and going hard at that, there's other things, you know, I speak a lot about helping people overcome adversity in life and not letting the things that, that they face, you know, the triumphs and the things that they face in their life kind of hold them back. So yeah, there's lots of, lots of things that I want to do. Also really passionate about health and wellness and helping people live healthy lives, which we both get to do um, with our ambassador role here so um yeah You're being at aaa oh, yeah, <laughs> i've been here all day i feel like i live here now <laughs> we're both AA vitality ambassadors yes. together <laughs> oh, which is great but you know there's so many things that i want to do and i definitely don't have it all figured out
0: um no one does no one does. no one does and i'm not
1: planning on getting it all figured out because the minute i'm like i'm on this path something hits me left field and there's something new right so it's just about riding the wave
0: and the beauty of life, I think. Beauty of life. No, yeah, I think if you get too hung up in in ways that things are going to be or your future, the next five years, if it doesn't go that way, you can be let down by mm. something
1: that wouldn't have let you down if you yeah. didn't make that plan. And you might not be as open to random opportunities that mm. come your way. What about you?
0: What are you the most proud of? A trait that you have in your, you know, in your personality or a value that you have. What makes you the most proud about yourself?
1: Um, I think I'm most proud of my positivity. Mm. I think it's something that I've grown up. People are like, oh, you're so positive. You're so positive. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I actually am. Like I, I always, you know, for me, I actually read a quote once and I love it so, so much. And it's, it doesn't matter if there's, if the glass is half empty or half full, you're lucky you've got water in your glass. And I really love that so much. And I, I am a, a glass half full person, you know, but at the same time, I, you know, I've just got to be grateful that I've got water in my glass and I think that's the coolest thing ever mm. um, and that's the best way you can look at a positive life I think and no matter what, like I, I've had so many setbacks recently I've been battling injury after injury mm. and having a lot of stuff going on with my health no way near as bad as what I went through as a kid but still just enough to really make me grumpy sometimes but then I you know I, I look at it in a positive light and see you know six months off training is nothing compared to what someone else might be going through or whatever it might be so Yeah, I think living my life in a positive way, not 100% of the time, no one's perfect, but the best way that I can is probably the most yeah trait that I love.
0: And do you feel pressure to be positive? I feel like, because I'm quite the same. I I pride myself Mm -hmm. on being positive and bringing Mm -hmm. positivity to people's Mm -hmm. lives. But I think sometimes you can... If you're empty and you're trying to be positive to other people, sometimes it it can be really hard on you. So do you find that pressure because of what you put out there?
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's obviously heightened the more that I've gotten, um, I guess, a public presence. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it is hard because you kind of want to be this light for other people because people know you to be this positive person. But I also try to be as much of of a relatable person as I can be. So if I'm having a bad day, I want to tell people that so that they know that even someone they look up to as being positive also has a bad day. That's just amazing, you know, that someone can relate to that, Mm -hmm. hopefully. So um, there definitely is that pressure, but I try not let it get on top of me. Um, But I do catch myself... Telling myself off for being negative You know, mm-hmm. if I say something And uh, then I'll apologise to a girlfriend I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to like sound like I'm having a negative day But, but it's then okay It's okay, I am having a negative mm-hmm. day As I said earlier, you know Just don't unpack and live there, right? So um, I love all your yeah. house analogies. I, I, I didn't realise I had so many house
0: analogies. They're fantastic. I like, I love it. What's with the houses? Like the, the house colours and the... Doesn't matter because when you enter... <laughs> when you enter... I love it. And I don't even know where they come from. Eh? They just pop up in my head. To finish off, I, you might bring a house into this one. So I will...
1: I'm going to do it. I'm making okay. it my mission.
0: So this is actually a question. Um, I did a Q&A on Instagram. I was on the plane yesterday, right? And I messaged Steph, and I said, "I love this question so much. This is going to be the final question of all podcasts. Oh, I love that." So, thank you to the beautiful girl that sent it. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it is. If you could be a character in any movie, <laughs> what character would it be, and in what movie, and why?
1: Oh, I wish I'd had time to think about this. Um, I was the same. Oh I know. Doesn't have to be in a
0: house. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, um, which movie had a house?
1: (laughs) I'm sure they lived in a house at some point. Um I, okay, there's probably I'm probably going to get home tonight and be like, damn it, I wish I'd said this person, but I'll message you later. Yeah, message um, you, i put it on <laughs> the screen. Yeah, it'd be great. But only this came to my mind because we were talking about it earlier, but Robert, is it Robert De Niro? That's his name, mate. Robert De Niro in The Intern. I just think, <laughs> like, I know I'm not a dude. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm clear of that. But his attitude is like, oh, I just, you know, I think the reason I say that is I, I listened to someone talk, I can't remember who it was, and they said, No matter what you do in life, if you are a rubber truck driver, if if you are a CEO, if you are no matter where you are in life, if you can be the best that you can be and do the best at your doing for yourself and for your community and the people you love. Then you're then you're winning at life, right? You know, it's don't don't go to work with a negative mindset because you're you're just the intern, you know. And that's what I feel Robert De Niro has. He's almost reached the end of his life, and he's gone back to be the intern, and he spends his whole time there just pleasing everyone and making sure everyone's happy. And he's just so in love with his job and stays there till like midnight to support his his fellow colleagues. Like I just think it's so cool, not just in like in a work sense, but in a life sense as well.
0: I love, it. and you know what's funny? Mine's Anne Hathaway. So, really?
1: oh my gosh,
0: look at us go. We can we can play it together. <laughs> There's a scene where she's, just what I was telling you about before, where oh, yeah. Anne is calling. Oh, I don't... What's her name? I can't remember what her name is in the I can't movie. I not remember what
1: her name is in the movie. I feel like I'm going to watch it tonight. Damn, I
0: watched it last week. I should remember. I can't remember but her name either. The, one of the customers got the wrong colour dress. Yes. And she called them directly herself and told them that she was going to get it delivered to them the next yes. day and give them a refund. And, and it reminded me so much of, of Stefan myself yeah. when, when things... Because you just... It, it's so important to make everyone happy. And totally. I was like, oh my God, I would totally. do that.
1: It's so I'm, beautiful. I feel... I'm Say, I'm such a people pleaser. It's yep. it's a kind of a catch 22. It's sometimes a good trait to have and sometimes a little stressful. But yeah, we should definitely reenact this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But not here. <laughs> oh, yeah. The staff walk past like, what are these two up there?
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jess, uh, for coming you. on. I love the glasses that you look at the world through. Thank you. There. You're just so incredible and I have learned a lot from you, so Aww. thank you and I'm sure our, our community will as well. If anyone
1: would like to follow you, how can they? I very much recommend it, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, it's just Jessica Emily Quinn on social media. I think if you type Jess Quinn, it should come up. But um, Double N double n jessica emily quinn yep so instagram Jessica with a j jessica oh, with a j the two s's <laughs> um yeah that's my that's my platform and um yeah instagram's kind of my main space but yeah, I feel really lucky to be here. Honestly, I've followed Keep It Cleaner and you and Steph yeah. for so long. It's actually kind of weird to be in a room with Laura and I was saying to her partner, Dolt, adult the other day, I was like, he called me about some work stuff and he's like, hey, it's told I'm Laura's so fiance. I'm like, I know, I know. And then I started talking about Bill and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's
0: Bill. It's not Bill. It's what? You have to say Bill. Why? And that's how I say oh, it. Oh, <laughs>
1: because you're teaching me Australian now.
0: <laughs> no. Well, I'm very honoured to be in a room with you, so oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much to
2: everyone for listening to that. We hope that you enjoyed it. I certainly did. It was nice to finally get to listen to that story. Um, Laura was so excited to have that interview and then to share it with all you guys is is really special. Um, And now, obviously, we're going to finish with the question of the week, as we do always. We've got a question from the community. It's actually something we get quite often um, is what our favourite kick recipes are um i think dinner yes for dinner um we often i think we're both a bit the same and it's probably from our busy schedules obviously we love all of our recipes on the program but i think when you get so busy you find that you want to rotate your favorites yeah you just know it yeah
0: you know it off by heart in your head you're like what should i have for dinner hmm i'll just have one of these five rotations
2: (laughs) what's your rotated most my, them,
0: mostly rotated. My mostly rotated <laughs> sounds so weird <laughs> is Mexican bowls. It's yeah. my favourite ever and I mix it up between depending on what I'm feeling like. Sometimes I make it with beef, sometimes I make it with chicken sometimes I make it with turkey or mm. like fish I really just mix it up because you just use the same seasoning and then adult loves it too. So that's like we eat that. I'm surprised I don't look like a Mexican bowl because <laughs> I eat it at least two sometimes we have it three times a week but mostly just one to two. Yeah, It is a
2: really quick <laughs> and easy recipe and I think it it's definitely for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> what's yours? Um, oh, if I'm really craving like a good red meat, I'll go for the steak and mushy peas. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about those mushy peas that's, I don't know, it just reminds me of family mm. or roasts from home or from Nan and Pop's house. So I love that. Um, and then Josh loves, and I do too, pretty much all of the pasta recipes, whether it's the pesto pasta or the spicy pasta um, they're all my faves, and yeah. now I use them with our own gluten-free pastas from Coles, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm so happy to finally have them out <laughs> because they've been my my favorite and our little hidden secret for a while. So I'm so <laughs> happy that I can actually share it with you guys. Um, but yeah, that's probably what I rotate between the most. Love it. Mm. So anyway, thank you anyway. guys <laughs> for sending in that beautiful question. It was nice and short, <laughs> um, as always. Maybe even even if we don't, if you don't see us putting up one of those question boxes. You can always send us these as DMs. We'll always see them. And any time we see a question that we think comes up quite a lot and that we want to answer, we will pop it in at the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you would like to hear more from us and get notified whenever we drop a new episode. That would be amazing. Mm. And, um, you can
0: follow us if you like on Keep It Cleaner. You sure
2: can. Smith or Laura.henshaw.
0: Hi. And we will see you. I still need to work out what on earth I to say We will we'll hear. To you. We will talk to you next, next week. week. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.